You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in everything he will be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace. By the blood of the cross, him we proclaim. Last Sunday, we, uh, our, we, our offering, we, uh, we, we were sending it to Beulah, and so I wanted to give you an update. You guys, in your generosity, thank you, gave, I think, $96,000, and so that was going to uh, all to their building project. So very thankful uh, for you guys uh, being generous above and beyond, and that's awesome. So very grateful. First service doesn't know that. See, that's why you come to second service. You get stuff they don't get. All right, <laughs> Colossians chapter two. Colossians two. Um, so 2018 was the greatest Super Bowl of all time. Because um, <laughs> number one, Tom Brady lost. Number two, the Eagles won. Um, but that year, one of our elders, so a couple, two weeks, you know, Super Bowl, you have that little gap week. So he, one of our elders, Mark Pickering, said, I'm gonna get us jerseys. I'm gonna get us jerseys. And, uh, and I found this website, they got vintage jerseys. He's, not a, he's a Pittsburgh guy, but he likes Ron Jaworski, who was an 80s Eagles guy because he went to Youngstown State and he's from Ohio and loves the backstory. But he said, so I'll get me a Ron Jaworski. What do you want? I said, give me Carson Wentz. He's like, all right, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna order him. So boom, great deal. Man, I can't believe I found him so cheap. Hits the, the buy button. Super Bowl comes and goes. No shirts. About a month later, gets an email, a shipping confirmation from some providence in China. Uh, six weeks later, after it goes through the Suez Canal on the, bo- on the b- bottom of a ship, um, these official vintage jerseys show up, and he calls me just laughing. He says, you gotta see these things. Unbelievable, right? Promised that they would be official, uh, and, and <laughs> they were made of this material. I, I should have worn mine today. We still wear them. Um, it, it's like in 1980s when you went in the PE and you put the, like, those little we called them pennies. I don't know what you call them. It's that material, okay? And so I, I took a picture, or Mark took a picture of his. So this is the official jersey. Notice how centered that is. It's really well done. Um, it's got the Nikes on this. It's, it's so funny. This is the NFL official tag, right? So, so well sewed on by a, a, a cat or something. I don't know. And I, I, but they promised vintage, official, Right? That's, that's what was offered, and they were clearly fraudulent. They're clearly knockoffs, right? Um, no clue what material they're made of, but it's probably toxic. Who knows, right? But like, like the fraudulent jersey, like the fake, some of us have bought 
a fake Christianity. Some of us have been offered a, a fraudulent Jesus or a fraudulent spirituality. And, and what we need is, is what the Apostle Paul is going to do. He's gonna hold up the original. See, if you see an original jersey, $400 or whatever it is on NFL.com, and, and you put this, this little come from someplace in the western mountains of China, you put these together, it is very clear which one is the real, which one is the fake. And so what the Apostle Paul is gonna do today is he is going to hold up the real Jesus. He's gonna hold up true spirituality, what it really means to be in Christ, so that the Colossians and us won't buy a fake jersey. And this is super important for us. This is not one of those sermons, this, this is, I was a little timid coming into this sermon. I'm an I'm a action guy, LPE guy, I like, I'm like movement. So I'm always wanting to give a, okay, this is what scripture says, let's not go do it, let's go do it. It's a lot of do, do, do with me. But this is a text that there's not a lot of doing. This is not a go do sermon, this is a, here's the real Jesus, here's the fraud. And we, wanna, we want you to be able to identify the fraud and so you can say, I don't wanna buy a false spirituality. I don't wanna be tricked buying a, a fraud. And so that's where we're gonna go today uh, as we look at Colossians 2. We're gonna look at verse eight through really to the end of the chapter. And if you've been here and you've kind of been in this series with us as we work through Colossians, remember Paul is in prison. He's writing to a group of people he's never met, but he loves them and he's encouraged by their growth, but he's also discouraged a little bit because he's heard about fake jerseys going around. And so he is going to take them in his crosshairs today and he's gonna say, no, 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 don't buy the fake. This is the real real Jesus. And it builds upon what we said last week, remember, or two weeks ago, when he says, as you received Christ as Lord, so walk in him. And it's just gonna build on that idea of being rooted and strong and abounding in thanksgiving, right? Uh, and he's gonna hold up the real thing so that we can identify. And this is a challenging passage. He's got a lot of exegetical challenges that I'm hoping to, uh, by God's grace, put the cookies on the lower shelf so they won't get in the way. But let's just jump in and see where he's going, right? Chapter two, verse eight. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not, not according to Christ. So the, the phrase see to it is actually an imperative in the original. It's a command. Watch out, look out. Right? So I have, you know, when I drive to Atlanta, I do what most of y'all do. We open the old Waze app, right? Boop. Open Waze, because you want to know what, where the cops are, right? That's why we do it. But, and I have mine set up. I don't know how you do it. I have mine set up for the uh, boy band, so it's like, police reported ahead, you know, kind of thing. But there is the standard voice that says what? Watch out. Vehicle stopped on shoulder ahead. Watch out. Police reported ahead. That's how it gets your attention, Right? And, and that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, watch out. There's, there's fake jerseys. <laughs> watch out. Don't be taken captive, or the word you could translate it, kidnapped, by philosophy. And, and it's not that philosophy in itself is wrong. Philosophy, phileo, means love, sophos, wisdom, the love of wisdom. There's nothing wrong with wisdom. There's a whole book of the Bible about wisdom. It's called Proverbs. Right? So that wisdom in itself is not, is not bad, but philosophy, 
when it's not rooted in the fear of the Lord as beginning wisdom, is, is, is what? It's empty, right? It's empty deceit. It promises one thing, and it's, it's hollow. It's kind of like if you have kids, you've experienced this. You, you, you have a craving for some bluebell ice cream, so you open that freezer, and you're like, oh, good, bluebell, and you grab that bluebell box, and what? It's completely empty. And you say, what kind of sinful people would do this? Why do you put this back in the freezer? Just throw it in the trash can. You have to walk the same distance or it's cereal or it's cookies. You know, you go grab the Chips Ahoy and you're like, yes, Chips Ahoy. And it's empty. My family will literally, they won't empty it because they know how it drives me. That's so they'll leave a half a cookie, a half a stinking cookie in the Chips Ahoy. I'm like, why? Don't do that. That is wicked. Children, parents, and this is dads too. But what's the idea? I have hope for a bluebell. I have promises of bluebell and it's empty. He says, don't be taken captive by the fake jersey. It's, it's, it's based on philosophy. It's, it's, it promises X, but it gives you Y. Because it's according to what? Human tradition. Right? Human tradition is just what the masses say. What, is, what do the PhDs say? What does your professor say? What do the famous people say? What does everybody, what's the majority say? I, was, I read an article last week by some Hollywood person, and they, they were talking about how they maintain their youthfulness, and they said, well, age is, is not a number. I said, it's the dumbest thing I've ever said. It is absolutely a number. That's why you put a number of candles on a cake. I'm this many years old. Ask a 15-year-old who can't drive how excited they are to be 16, because it's a number, right? Ask a uh, 20-year-old who wants to go out with his friends on River Street. He's not 21. Ask him if it's a number. It's a number. It really is. Just because you say it's not, what do the masses say? Because the masses say that you're just a random blip on the universe, that you have no real purpose, that you're not made in the image of God, that you kind of develop from some single cell organism, that, that there's no future, that there's no hope. The masses say morality is whatever you want it to be. The masses say gender is whatever you want it to be. The masses say all roads lead to God. Whatever feels good, do it. And it promises so much. He says, don't, don't it's a fake jersey. It's a fake jersey. It's, it's according to human tradition. It's according to the elemental spirits. He's talking about the spirits of evil, demons. And, and we have two extremes in the church, right? When it comes to like the unseen battle that's going on, we, we either overemphasize everything's a demon. You got a flat tire? That's the flat tire demon. You're bald, some of you, you got the bald demon. You need the Rogaine angel to come in and take out the bald demon. You, 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 uh, you can't find your keys, that's because the demon hit it because you knew you were going to Bible study and he didn't want you to go to Bible study so the demon of the keys is hiding. And we, we out wacko. That's one, ex- one way we do it. The other way is we completely ignore the fact that there is a raging spiritual battle taking place that the enemy of your soul prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, right? And, and Paul says that you, you, every false religion, every idol in 1 Corinthians 10, he says that there's a demon behind that, right? That there is a battle going on. And there are some things that are very clear that this is just flat out wicked and evil. Like the slave trade, the sex trade, there's, this is demonic, clearly. The murder of babies in their mother's wombs, that's demonic, Old Testament stuff, Molech, sacrificing the child. 
But sometimes Satan is subtle. And this is where he's more effective because he comes as an angel of light. He comes with a Christian logo. Official, official, vintage. And you need to understand that not everything that says Jesus is Jesus. And not everything that says Christian is Christian. Just like not everything that says vintage, official, is real. And so what Paul's going to do is he's gonna say, let me show you the real thing. This is what in Christ means. This is what... Jesus has done. And he's gonna highlight four things real quick. We'll work through them. Of, of This is what Jesus does, right? This is where he goes, okay? Verse nine, he says, in him, for in him, right? And that, and that phrase in him is gonna show up constantly in this passage. But in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And we've, we looked at that a couple weeks ago, right? You, if you want a sermon on the deity of Christ, you can go back and listen to chapter one when we dealt with it. But I think what's going on here is the Gnostics that have crept into the church, the, the Gnostic theology taught that uh, everything physical is bad, everything spiritual is good. So Jesus couldn't really have a body because if he had a body, he would be sinful. So he didn't have a body and he didn't raise bodily and he's not returning bodily. He'll return as a spirit. And so Paul's hollering, no, no, he dwelt, when you see Jesus, you see God and he had a body. Fullness of deity dwelt bodily. But then he says this, and you have been filled in him, there it is again, who is the head of all rule and authority. This one who had a body who is fully deity, he has actually now filled you. And the tense there is important. It is a Greek perfect, which means it's past with present results. So it's he filled you in the past and you are still filled in him as opposed to the emptiness of the seat and philosophies. And his point is this. The real Jesus has made us complete. You have been filled, you are still filled, you will continue to be filled by the one who is over all rule and authority, right? That, that's the idea. You have, if you are in Christ, you are a partaker, Peter says, of the divine nature. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have been sealed with the spirit of God for all eternity. You've been given the kingdom. You've been made children of God. He promises he will meet all your needs. He says that what is his is yours. He promises you his presence, his unchanging love, that he has gone to prepare a place for us, that he will bring us to himself. These are all, we're full. You've been filled in him. You, it's done. You can't add to it. If something is full, you can't add more. It's full. And he says, that's you. You're complete. You have as much Jesus right now as you're gonna have. You, you, you have as much spirit. If you are born again, the spirit dwells in you. You don't get any more spirit when you're like, get to heaven. This is not like, okay, you balcony people, you, you clearly are less spiritual because you're in the balcony. And so you have like a quarter filled spirit. These people are like three quarters filled, right? No, there's, no, you have as much of the spirit now as you will ever have. Now, the question is how much of this, this, you does the spirit have? That's, that's a different question. But, but the idea that, that, oh, there's a deeper, there's a more. See, there, this, this, every uniform that he's gonna kind of fraudulent jersey he's gonna highlight, it's always a Jesus plus something. There's gonna be different little flavors, but it's always Jesus plus something equals spirituality. And he said, no, no, you are, past tense, already full. He's you are complete in him. 
He continues, verse 11, and in him, there it is again, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This is kind of a challenging idea. And, it, and it's even further for us because circumcision is not our deal. Right? We're just like, what is that? But for this, this culture, huge. Remember, circumcision was the sign of the Old Testament covenant with God and the people of Israel. On the eighth day, every Jewish boy would be circumcised. And it was a mark, an external mark that we are, we are God's and he is ours. Right? And it was a very physical thing. And so this, once the church starts, and remember the early church was primarily Jewish. And then all these Gentiles start coming in and it's, there's some racial tension because they didn't like each other. And so the Jews were finally like, fine, we'll let them in, but we, they gotta be circumcised if they're coming in. And Paul's like, nope, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna play that game. Homie, don't play that. There's a whole book of the Bible written about that issue. It's called Galatians, right? Where, where these people are saying, yeah, Jesus plus circumcision. He says, no, because the whole point is that was, the old covenant was external. It was very physical. The new covenant is a spiritual covenant. And so this is why he says it's without, you can circ, circle that in your Bible, underline it. It is a circumcision without hands. It's not physical. It's spiritual. The, the circumcision of Jesus is a, a circumcision of the heart, which is exactly what he promised in the Old Testament. And Deuteronomy says, I'm going to circumcise their heart and, and then they're gonna love me. In Ezekiel 36, this is what he promises. I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful. Notice the order. Spirit, new heart, then walk. What we try to do is walk, 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 and get the spirit. Walk, 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 and get a new heart. No, no, that's not how it works. Jesus gives us a new heart. That's the second thing the real Jesus does. He makes us new. You complete in him and he makes us new. If any man is in Christ, he is what? You guys are sorry, sorry. This first service is like better. If any man is in Christ, he is what? New, new creation. That's right. New. In Galatians 6, he says, Paul says, circumcision is nothing. He says, everything is about the new creation. Jesus gives us a new heart that has a desire now to follow. And we flip it. And it's, fra it's a fraudulent spirituality. It's a fake Jesus. It's a fake jersey. And so verse 12, he continues the idea. He says, this is what it's pictured by. He says, this whole idea of spirit circumcision and, and, and a new heart. It says, having been buried with him in baptism. There's that with him again, in him. In which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. What he's saying is this idea of a new heart, a, 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 a newness is pictured in, in baptism. In baptism, what, what's the idea? When we, we put a person under the water, what does it picture? I'm dead, I was dead, dead in Christ, and then alive. All right, come out like the resurrection Christ. It's this, this picture of what God has done. He is you have been buried with him in baptism. You've been raised to life. This is why we do immersion. And notice that key word, through faith. You're raised through faith. That's why we don't baptize infants here because an infant doesn't have faith, right? And a, a parent may have faith, 
but, but it's a response. Baptism, water baptism is a response to a spiritual reality, what God has done. He has made you new. You've been united with him in his death, Romans 6. You've been united, you will be united with him in your resurrection. And all we do is we just kind of on the backside of that say, this is who I am, and so I get baptized. And I know this is, for some of you guys, I get it. You're like, well, I don't know. Since baptism doesn't save me, I don't need to get baptized. And we get some pushback from some of y'all, and I hear you. Like, you, know, you don't like to go to Tybee, let alone get wet in front of everybody in the church. But here's the thing. If, you're, if you have a new heart, Jesus has taken your heart of stone, and he's replaced it with a heart of flesh, one that loves him, one that wants to follow him, why would you not want to get baptized? I mean, really. If that's what he says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father. If Jesus says it, and he's given you a new heart, why? Why the pushback? And if you got questions about that, well, I don't know, we have a class coming up in like two weeks. You can register online. We'd love to talk about some of these issues with you. Sit down one-on-one and help you. That's what we do. We want to equip you. But as followers of Jesus, we follow. And he says, he makes you new. And, and for you to stand in front, in the early church, baptism was an entry point into, into that church's covenant community. It's the way it was. If Peter, if you heard Peter preach and you said, uh, Peter, I wanna follow Jesus, he'd be like, awesome. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Awesome, I do that. Okay, let's go baptize you. No, I'm not gonna do that. Well, then you're not a believer. Not that baptism saved, but it was so closely tied. Man, they baptized you. You prayed the prayer, you were in the water. You didn't even know what happened, Right? Because it was so tied to your faith and it was a breaking from your Jewish culture and identifying with a Messiah who was putting a cross, it was a big deal. We don't put as much big deal on it because it doesn't cost anything to follow Jesus in our country. But back then, man, it was a real deal. But the idea is the real Jesus makes you new. The real Jesus makes you full. He has completed you, right? Everything you need, he, he has given you. Continue, verse 13. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, there it is again, you were dead, God made alive. And, and here's the, the only thing that you and I bring to this passage, everything's God, God, and him, and him, and him, God, God, God. The only action you and I bring, you know what it is? Sin. Death. Isn't that exciting for us? You were dead in the trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. What did God do? Made you alive together with him. There it is again, with him. How? Having forgiven all our trespasses, right? You were dead. Dead is a doornail, spiritually. And you could do nothing to get to God. I know some of you think that, yeah, well, when I was 16, I had an awakening and I started pursuing God. No, you didn't. It may have seemed like you did, but you were pursuing God because God already had you. And God was already drawing you. You said, no, 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 it's not the way it is. There is none who seeks God. No, not one. And God in his kindness draws us to himself and he makes us alive. And that's, that's the third thing the real Jesus does. The real Jesus makes us alive. He gives us life, right? How? He says this. He made you alive together with him. How? He forgave all. Circle that word in your Bible. You should be a Bible circler. Circle it. Highlight it. Pink highlight. Whatever you got. Gel pen. Whatever. All. Let me, let me ask you a question. I'll go a little Lee Edwards because you guys look a little sleepy. All right? So, is all mean everything you've ever done in your past? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, good. You're still sleepy, but that's all right. Does all mean 
does all cover everything that you did today in the minivan on the way to church? Does all mean everything you will ever do so when Georgia gets beat by Bama again and you are mad on a Sunday, is all gonna cover that too? Yes. Yes. All means all, and that's all. All of your trespasses, all of your sins, everything. Here's, and this is what the Bible teaches, and this, is, this may offend some of you if you're new, you never heard, but I, I, this is what the Bible teaches. You are a sinner, and you deserve the wrath of God. I am a sinner, I deserve to die. I deserve wrath. Why? Because I usurped the king of the universe, because I'm a rebel, because I committed treason against the God of the universe, right? And there was a, a legal document. This is what 14 says. He says, there was a record of debt, right? The law says this, I broke the law. I didn't love God with my whole heart, mind, and strength. There's a legal debt that stood against me. And God in his holiness has to punish sin. God cannot just say, well, just let that go under the rug. God, because he is holy, he has to punish sin. Right? And I, I was guilty. I am guilty. But what God did in his kindness, it says he canceled it. That word canceled, great little word. I did a word study on it this week. Ex alefo means to obliterate. It means to destroy he destroyed it. I wish that PNC Bank would destroy my mortgage. <laughs> like Jesus destroyed my debt. It's a le- it was legal. God's holiness demands holiness. And so this is what he does. He sets it aside. What does he do? He nails it to the cross. Okay, he nails it to his son on the cross. So my bill, my guilt, the wrath of God, Bill Fowler deserves, it is poured out on the innocent son of God, the one in the fullness of deity dwelt in bodily form. My immorality, my drunkenness, my rebellion, my anger, my gossip, my bitterness, all the stuff I've done, your dope smoking college days, the abortion you had, the divorce you had, your rebellion against your parents, whatever it is, poured out on the innocent son of God, nailed to his cross. All of it from the past, all of it from the present, all of it from the future. If it wasn't all paid, y'all, then we walk around in fear that we were gonna, oh, what, I gonna do something to make God mad? Are I gonna do something to lose my salvation? All my trespasses. And so when Jesus on the cross, some of his last words, he says, it is finished. To Tetelestai is the Greek for teleo, to be complete. And, and the idea that we've actually found archaeologists, old tax receipts from the first, second century. And when that tax receipt was paid, you know what they put across the front of it? Tetelestai, finished, paid in full. My sin, paid in full by the sinless Savior. He made me alive. Jesus took my debt. Does that mean I have to pay him back now? What am I gonna do? How can I pay him back? This is silly. See, this is, this is the whole argument. So, so now, Christian, you're gonna pay him back by going to church? Don't cuss. Don't yell at Kirby. 
is that gonna pay Jesus back for what he has done? No, it's not, we don't earn it, we don't pay it back. We revel in it, we savor it. We rejoice in the truth of this gospel that Jesus paid it all. He made us alive. He fills us, he makes us new. The real Jesus makes us alive. Verse 15, last one. He disarmed the rulers, authorities, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is an illusion that's kind of foreign to us, but to them, they get it. When you go to battle against a country, you beat the country, you beat the other king, and what do you do? You take all their stuff, and you have a big parade. Think, you know, St. Patrick's Day with sober people. Think about that. That's what it is. And so they'd have a big parade, and they would march all their, their loot and they'd have the gold and the horses, and they say, We took, they basically were mocking them, saying, We got your horses, we got your loot. And then they would march the enemy king, if he was still alive, through the streets tied up to show that we were putting him to shame. Our king is better than your king, and their enemy soldiers, our soldiers are stronger than your soldiers. It was very common. It says, Jesus did that to our enemies, right? He defeated the enemy that you couldn't defeat, Alabama. Oh, no, Satan, sin, ourselves, demons. The real Jesus defeated our enemies. He did what we could not do. And it says that he, I love the, the line, he disarmed the rulers. He took away their guns. He took away their weapon. What is the, what is the number one weapon of the enemy? Death. The wages of sin is death. The, the, the weapon of the enemy is death. What does Jesus do? He disarms them. And here's, what's, here's the ironic piece. How does he do that? How does he put them to shame? He triumphs over them. Now here's where it gets a little tricky. All right, it says in him. And not to, I don't wanna bore you with a bunch of Greek because I'm not really that good at it, but I know a little bit. There, there's a translation struggle here and some of your Bibles actually notice it. If you have the ESV, it probably has a note at the bottom. It says him or it. That's because this is a third person dative uh, singular, which, which the neuter and the masculine is identical. So the, the translator has to determine, is it supposed to be neuter or is it supposed to be masculine? If it's masculine, it's him. If it's neuter, it's it. Long story short, the ESV goes with masculine. The NIV goes with it, which I think is actually better. So I'm, gonna, I'm repenting against all my NIV slamming for one day. I think the NIV gets it right here because the closest antecedent to the third person masculine or, or native is the word cross. So I think it's referring back to the cross. Long story short, I think it should say this. He triumphed over them by the cross. And why that's important is that Jesus takes the weapon of the enemy and he uses it to defeat the enemy. He takes death and he defeats death. Amen, that person gets it. How good is that? Right? And, he, and it's ironic because when you see Jesus on the cross, you don't think he wins. Do you? It looks like he's losing. But it's not. It's like David taking Goliath's sword and chopping his head off with his own sword. Jesus disarms our enemies with death. So now what do we say? 1 Corinthians 15. Hey, death, where is your sting? And that is a, I told you before, that's a mocking that is a na, 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 na. Where is your sting? Where is your victory? That's the idea. Do you think a fraudulent jersey can do that? You think you doing a longer quiet time is gonna do that? 
You think that you giving more money is gonna do that? No. The real Jesus defeated, crushed the head of the serpent. Genesis 3.15, the head of the serpent was crushed by the seed of the woman, right? That's what the prophecy said. And so are you gonna go buy you a vintage something from somewhere or do you want the Jesus who defeats your enemies, who makes you alive, who gives you a new heart, a new spirit, who fills you, who completes you? I want the real thing. And he's going to, in the rest of this chapter, and I gotta fly here, because I've been preaching too much, right? Um, the rest of the chapter, he just basically, he's knocking off the, the fraudulent jerseys. He says, that's an Alabama jersey, fake. Falcons, fake. Braves, fake, right? He's gonna knock off all three of these fakes. Uh, and and the, the three he's gonna hit are legalism, mysticism, asceticism. Let me read the entirety of the text and I'll kind of come back and we'll, we'll land this plane. He says there, verse 16, therefore, because of all I said, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. Here's your legalism. These are a shadow of the things to come. The substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. There's that one. Worship of angels, that's mysticism. Going on in details about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to what? Again, the head, the real jersey from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, the demons, the, the, the death, and he's, and he's assuming you are, it's the first class condition in the original, it's assumed to be true. If you died and you did, then why are you still, why are you submitting to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Legalism. Referring to things that perish as they are used according to the human precepts and teaching. And here's how he concludes it. Love this verse. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, asceticism, severity to the body. But underline this, highlight it. They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They don't make you new. They don't give you a new heart. Every religion in the world is man's attempt to reach God. Every single one. It's a, you gotta keep the rules, you gotta climb a pole, stare at the sun for a week and a half, fast, pray, go to the temple six times a day. Go to, all these things that make me righteous in God's eyes. Christianity, God does it all. And he makes me righteous. And I can do nothing except believe. Right? He changes us from the inside out. Everything else would be, I can be super disciplined, okay? I went to military college. I can wake up 5 a.m. I can go, I can be very disciplined. I can conquer, I can maybe even to, to manage my behavior and conquer it. But you know what my problem is? The second I'm like, I'm not greedy anymore, that's awesome. Now I'm proud because I'm not greedy anymore. And I'm bragging about it. Because it, it, just, it just shows that I need a savior. I need a new heart and rules don't make me, don't give me a new heart. And I'm not saying there's not things that God commands us to do. Jesus says, like flee immorality and drunkenness is a sin. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. There's things that we do, we do flee from. I'm not saying that, but those things are in light of, they come from faith. It's not to make me better, it's because Jesus has given me a new heart. Jesus has made me alive. Jesus has paid for my sins. Jesus has defeated my enemies. They flow out of faith. And we're gonna talk more about this. Clint's gonna preach on this next two weeks. And this is big. Chapter three is kind of like, okay, here's what it looks like now. Now that you're in Christ, now that you know, this is how it flows out of your life. So that's where the application comes, right? So come back next two weeks and you get that. 
But here, here's the big three he hammers. He hammers legalism, verse 16 and 17. No one passed judgment on you in quest of food and drink, Sabbath. They had a very Jewish influence here. And so obviously there's some people that are saying, you can't eat shrimp cocktail. You can't have barbecue and you can't watch football on Sundays or Saturdays, right? They have to keep the law. And he said, he says, these are a shadow of the things to come. The law was supposed to point you to Messiah. The Sabbath pointed to the fact that you could rest in Messiah. It's, you don't need to keep the rules. It's not performance based. Every one of the feasts was pointing to Jesus in some way. The feast of Passover, that he's the lamb of God. The feast of unleavened breads, that he is sinless, that he is without leaven. The feast of first fruits, that he would be resurrected. The feast of Pentecost, that the church would begin, the spirit would be in us. The feast of trumpets, that he will one day gather his church. The feast of atonement, the day of atonement, that, that, that what he began will be completed. The feast of tabernacles is the kingdom where we enjoy the presence and we tabernacle or dwell with him forever. All these things pointed to Jesus. Why do you wanna go? You don't wanna watch football now? Are you crazy? Eat you some barbecue, celebrate what Jesus has done. It don't be all legalistic. And I know for us, we're like, oh, Legalism's not my problem. I believe that, as some of y'all. Okay, <laughs> I believe that. But I do think that we struggle with performance-based Christianity, some of us. And I listened to a sermon this week, and, and, and the, the pastor, he, he gave two questions. And, and I'm gonna give you these questions because I think it can help diagnose if you're performance-based Christianity because I think we all struggle. Question number one, when you sin, what do you do? Do you hide? Do you run from God or do you run to God? Because by nature, we're Adam and Eve hiding with a fig leaf in a, in a, behind a tree that Jesus just made thinking that Jesus can't see us through the tree. But see, when you hide and run, you are a legalist. Number one, because you don't believe that Jesus canceled your debt. Number two, you actually believe that there's a specific amount of time that if you wait, whether it's a time that you determine, a week, a day, maybe you haven't, you, if I don't do that sin for a week, then I can come back to God time that you determine, a time after you've done your penance, it's legalism. It's performance-based. Let me, let, me let me give you just an insider here. You can have the best spiritual week. I mean, you can have a better spiritual week than Augustine, Billy Graham, the Apostle Paul, Billy Sunday, what, fill in the blank. You can have a week that makes their week look like Satan. And you still aren't worthy. Did you get that? You were never worthy. That's the point. That's why you needed a savior. My best week is junk. That's why when I, get on, when I walk up these stairs, there's always, I'm never nervous because I can talk. You know I can talk. But there is a heaviness because I know, y'all, I am not worthy. If you're looking for sin, start here. Not the start here class, start here. I am not worthy to be up here. But I'm not, it's okay because I'm not trusting in my goodness. I'm trusting in the righteousness of Jesus Christ to cover all my sin, right? And so you, your week doesn't determine God's favor and his love for his children, right? Maybe fellowship, but not his favor. Here's the second question. And this is a big one. This is where I think we are because we're in the South. How aware are you of other people who are not as spiritual as you? that they don't keep the rules that you have established, rules that may or may not even be Bible. So when we, my first, I became a believer back in about 96, 97, and uh, 
Got married in 98. I was a high school teacher, a high school baseball coach and an elementary PE teacher for about five years before I went off to seminary. So it's about 1999. And, and seminary is not on the radar. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not thinking anything like this. And the church I was in up there, I was a pretty new Christian, they asked me, the, the, the music director, because we had a music director, he asked me to be in the production. The production, I'm like, no. No, he's like, no, I don't want you to sing. I just want you to be like the, I was like the welcome everybody. Well, I had this dramatic stuff. You know, it was the first time I'd ever done something like that. But they asked me to do that. So I said, I, you know, I'm coaching baseball now, but I, I can make practices twice a week. So I show up one Thursday night. It's not even Wednesday church night. It's Thursday. It's like seven o'clock. I just came from a baseball game. I got my little, my windbreaker thing on. I got my baseball hat, you know. And so I go run through the thing. At the end of practice, this older gentleman comes up to me and he goes, do you always wear your hat in the house of God? And he was mad. I mean, mad, mad. And I didn't know it. I thought he was joking. And I'm like, oh, I just came from baseball and my hair's a mess and I stink, I know. And, and he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he walked off in a huff. And I thought, I mean, I don't know my theology very well, but I know that this ain't the house of God. It's a building. I'm the house of God. And the house of God is wearing a hat, all right? <laughs> and guess what? The house of God in the following Thursday wore the hat again. <laughs> that was my immaturity. And then I... <laughs> But so what he had done is he created a rule that was fine and that was his convictions. Praise God for convictions. You need convictions. But he had put that conviction on me. I just come from baseball practice, right? I was trying to serve the people of God and on a Thursday, it wasn't even church Wednesday night. Thursday night church. There are no Thursday night church rules. <laughs> but my point is this. Do you have rules that you keep for your family which are fine? I, you should have convictions, but are there areas that you feel maybe freedom, to, you have Christian freedom in, that that person doesn't and you're better than them because they don't? Or, or maybe you don't and they do. Maybe they do this type of school. Maybe they, do this type, maybe they don't serve in the same way you do. Maybe they don't give like you do. I don't know. Maybe they don't do the same long quiet time or family devotion. Whatever it is, do you find yourself comparing so that you're winning? If so, you're a legalist. You just are. Because you're, you have no more favor in God's eyes than they do. And it's something we need to be aware of, right? Because we wouldn't say we're better than them, but that's what we think. Asceticism is the next one. Uh, and we don't, this is not a big issue for us, insisting on asceticism, uh, the idea of treatment of, of your body harshly so that God likes you more, right? This is kind of big in the Middle Ages and stuff. But maybe a modern day example would be, well, I'm better because I don't watch a movie and you're not. Well, I don't know. Here's the point. You don't need to beat yourself up. Jesus was already beaten for you. Jesus was beaten so that you could be righteous. Now, mysticism, this idea of going and de- uh, worship of angels, we don't maybe worship angels, but I'll tell you what we do have in the, in the church that you need to be careful of, this is a fake jersey, is this super spiritual, when you have this guy or this girl and she's a prophetess and he's a prophet and they're promising this deeper experience, come to our gathering because we have, we'll really show you how to do X or Y. You gotta be wary of that. When someone comes to you and says, well, we'll teach you how to do miracles. Okay, I'm not anti-miracle, but Jesus didn't teach people to do it. They just did it. And it was like, whoa. And they were like, whoa. <laughs> Praise God. If you can be taught to do miracles, they ha- they, you can be taught to heal people. It's called med school, okay? That's a, whoa. So you get this deeper mysticism, crazy stuff going on, it's a, it's a fraud. 
It may seem like, right, it's growth, but he says, no, that's you're not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished, knit together. You, you grow, hold fast. It's not some experience. You hold fast to Jesus. He grows you. It's a growth from God. Right, this idea that this is JV Christianity because they do this, but we're varsity because we do this. We got deeper this, right? So just be wary. Those are the three jerseys we gotta watch out for, right? Mysticism, legalism, uh, asceticism. Uh, let, me, let me, as we close, let me just address two groups in the room. And then we're gonna worship through the table. The first group is if, if you're here and you're not a Christian, and some of you, you're here, you're not a Christian, you know it. You're checking us out. You're, you came with your aunt, or whatever it is. So we're just thankful you came. And if you ever have questions about anything, we would love to meet you in that. But some of you here, and this, this, is, this is important, so listen to me. Some of you here are not Christian, and you think you are. And the reason you think you are is because you're here. Right? You follow that logic? I'm a Christian. Why? Because I'm in church. If this place could make you Christian, then we don't need a cross. We don't need a Jesus. If righteousness comes from, from the keeping good works, then Christ dies needlessly. He could have just come down and said, go to church and float it back to heaven. <laughs> he had to pay for sin. And I do not want anyone to be here and you have a false sense, I'm going to heaven because I go to CBC. I walked an aisle. This is why we don't walk aisles here. I don't wanna give anybody, first of all, you don't see an aisle walked in the Bible, first of all. That's very second grade awakening. That's another story. But what is, what is someone, how, what, sir, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There it is. And you are believing in your baptism or a prayer card or some experience back in college or the fact that you serve in the nursery or you're in a community group and you're not trusting in the finished work of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And I don't want you to get to the throne of God and hear him say, depart from me, you practice lawlessness. I never knew you. I knew of you, but I didn't know you. And so ask yourself, has God given you a new heart? Do you see any fruit in your life? Is there ever a desire to follow and, and obey and, and repent of sin? These are marks of the believer. And if you have questions, we, man, we'd love to talk with you. But if you're, if you're going back to some event or some and not the gospel, if you're not trusting in finished work of Christ, you come empty-handed to the cross. You don't come with, I got my baptism, I got my, no, you come broken and say, I'm dead. Make me alive. That's how you come. And we'd love to walk with you. If you are a Christian and you struggle with these things, I would just encourage you, hey, stay close to the cross. We're not talking about behavior modification here. We're not talking about wake up tomorrow, try real hard, I'm gonna do it. Gonna do it. All right, you got that person in your life that's hard to live with, right? Maybe a kid, probably a kid. Maybe a spouse, teacher, boss, students. And it's, it's, we're not talking about, I'm gonna be kind tomorrow to my kids. I'm gonna be nice to my employees tomorrow. That's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is the gospel taking root in our heart so that when I wake up, I say, man, I, I, I am being sinned against by my boss. But see, that's a sinner sinning against a sinner. You are a sinner sinning against a holy God. 
That's a much greater offense. And because he was kind and gentle and gracious to you, now I don't have to go try. I'm just motivated because the gospel's taken root. I'm just gonna be kind. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for you to be pure so you can have all the accountability and I got accountability partners every morning. Those things are great. But it's because I have a heart for purity. I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna watch that. I'm, I'm gonna invite people in to see what's on my phone. It doesn't make me holy, but it's because I have a new heart. And that's what we're going at for the next couple weeks. That's where we're going. And be encouraged. We're all there. And we all struggle with performance issues. But that's why... Jesus gives us the table, and we're gonna move towards the table right now. He gives us the table as a reminder. The table reminds us that Jesus' death was enough. He's not impressed with your good works. He doesn't need your good deeds. Your goodness is nothing compared to his holiness. And so we get to sit in that and think on that, right, and revel in that. And so we're going to have some men and women. They're going to hand out elements in a few minutes. They're going to come down front. They're going to hand them out. And the way we're going to do it today is you just in your seat as these guys are going to kind of sing behind us, just reflect on the finished work of the cross. It is finished. It is enough. You don't have to perform. Jesus performed for you. And if, if you're a follower of Jesus, spend some time just thanking him for that, confessing any sin that you know you just haven't. Don't take it in a, in a hardened, hard way. If you're, if you're an unrepentant sin, I, I would abstain and deal with that first. It's an invitation for us to do it. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, we just ask you to let the elements pass by. Because these, these are reminders, the body of Jesus, who full deity in bodily form, so that he could die for man, he had to become man, so he could spill blood for man. These, these are symbols for the person who has experienced forgiveness of sins. So we just ask you to abstain today because we would rather you just put your faith in Christ. And then you can experience remembering what he has done for you. And if, again, we have a prayer team in the back, love to pray for you, love to talk with you. Let's remember that Jesus has done it all. Let me pray and we'll worship through the table. Father, I thank you for a reminder of the goodness of the gospel, a tangible reminder. We can hold in our hands that which represents the broken, beaten, pierced body that was nailed to the cross for our transgressions. So we can uh, drink of this cup, which pictures the new covenant, not an external covenant, a new heart because of the shed blood of Christ. As we think on that, encourage us, Lord, affirm our faith and your love for us that is unchanging, that is forever. Thank you for this opportunity in Christ's name.